As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello and welcome to the Castle of Horror interview segment where we talk to writers and creators of today's genre world from Denver, Colorado. I'm your host, Jason Henderson, creator of the Alex Van Helsing novels. This week we're talking to New York Times bestselling author Thief Sutton. He's the winner of two Emmy Awards for his work on the classic television series Cheers and a Peabody Award for the legal drama Boston Legal. As a screenwriter, his credits include Mrs. Winterbourne and The Fan with Robert De Niro. He's also written plays and novels, among them 2015's Crush, 15 Minutes to Live, and with Janet Ivanovich, Wicked Charms. His forthcoming books in 2016 are Curious Minds with Janet Ivanovich, and Heart Attack and Vine, a sequel to Crush. He lives in South Pasadena, California with his wife and two daughters. Say hello, Fief. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited that you could join us. Um, I was wondering if you could read for us a little bit of Crush. Uh, I know we've, we've selected a, a little sec, uh, so, section, so I thought it'd be good for people to hear the, uh, the rhythm of, of the All right. Well, this is, just the, uh, this is just the opening, so I don't have to set it okay. up. No, um, perfect. So uh, it goes like this. Uh, the first time Amelia saw him, she didn't think of him as a person so much as an obstacle. Cold eyes and muscles, he was standing in the corner of the club like a piece of furniture, only larger. The bouncer. No need to wonder why they called him Crush. His hands looked like they could squeeze the air out of her windpipe in a second. The club was called the Nocturne on Melrose at Clinton. It was one of those night spots with no sign out front, so you had to be cool enough to know about it, to even know about it. Inside was all darkness and colored lights and blurring music, gorgeous young girls and buff young boys trying to convince themselves they were having the time of their lives. The decor was deep red and studded velvet, Queen Victoria meets Sekar Masak. The bar itself was a mahogany monstrosity that the owner had lifted from some gold rush ghost town. The pretty female bartender was dwarfed behind it, but Crush, stationed at the east end, was big enough to make even that huge bar look pint-sized. In his black t-shirt, fit tightly over his bulging muscles, he faded into the decor, not blending in with the walls, but looking like he was the wall. 
His clean-shaven head had a nasty scar running from above his left eye across his skull to the back of his neck like a racing stripe. Only his startling blue eyes make, made Amelia think there was a human being behind the barrier. Crush made no extraneous m sounds or movements. Like a good bouncer, he made sure you didn't notice him unless he wanted you to. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank um, you. <laughs> you know what strikes me is that this reminds me in a way, uh, I, you know, this is your main character of this new series. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. one that came out in 2015. Mm -hmm. You had another one coming in 2016. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you're describing this gigantic person. So the first thing that pops instantly to my mind, of course, is Reacher, right? Is, uh -huh. is, that the, is that the goal to have, like, countless adventures with this one character so you can keep coming <laughs> back to it? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that is the that is the goal. That is the goal. I, I you know, I, when I was young, I read all the Travis McGee books and right. um, uh, the uh, the Parker books uh, by uh, Richard Stark, Robert, um, and um, they, uh, you know, I loved them. And uh, when I, I wanted to write uh, a series of books, I I thought, you know, get somebody like that, right? <laughs> somebody, somebody who is uh, who who is is big and tough and can handle himself. Somebody who's, who's basically nothing like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably that's probably pretty common. Although Spillane looked a lot like uh, like Hammer. Yes, yes. Well, it was shorter, but but yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Spillane thought he looked a lot like Hammer. Anyway. I know. Well, I mean, he, you know, played, he, actually, he played Hammer in that movie, you know, Girl Hunter. Yes, he did. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, he played. Jeez, yeah. he played yeah, my Hammer yeah, in one movie. Yeah, that, yeah. That's it. But you know, it, it's so funny because when you talk to publishers today, a lot of times you, you pitch a series and they're like, "We want this to be, say, a trilogy, and it needs to like really shake the earth and change things so that by the time you come out, the world is different." And <laughs> that's just not. You know, my, what my greatest interest in usually is, you know, I want, like, something where every book, every year a new one is going to come out, same characters, I see them get into a similar adventure, you know, like they're, they're old. Well, I mean, yeah. have you noticed this trend? Yeah, oh, yeah, I have, I have. And that, that's an interesting thing. I, I noticed it in TV, too, because it used to be, you know, I've, I've worked in TV forever, and, and it used to be that, that a series – particularly a comedy series, but even a, a drama, you know, was, was, was basically at the end of the series, the characters were in the same position that they were in the beginning so that you right. could have, you know, a bunch of discrete adventures. You know, Matt Dillon was always Matt Dillon. Rockford was right. always Rockford. And uh, they had adventures, but at the end, they came out of it pretty much the same. And right. now, of course, they have... Everybody wants to do Breaking Bad, and everybody wants to do, um, I don't know, Game of Thrones or whatever. And uh, so they they insist that everything constantly change. Um, you know, I, I think probably I, uh, I had something to do with that because I think one of the first series that really changed as it went along, you know, was Cheers. Um, and uh, it. But 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 with, but it was very gradual kind of change, and certainly it wasn't you know you didn't have you know Norm and Cliff being any different from time to time, and and uh, well, within, even, a, within you know. a particular season, yeah, Cheers was was still a was still a comedy series, and so the end would return you more or less right, to the right, right, right. Of the season. But um, but I you know and I I miss that I I kind of miss that I miss yeah. that the feeling that uh, you know that. That Travis McGee was always going to be on that boat, and that uh, you know, 
uh, Philip Marlowe was always going to be Philip Marlowe. And, uh, I think there's even an art to that, you know, when you think yeah, about it. Yeah, because yeah. The, what people will say in interviews is they go, well, you know, that's not what life is like, life moves forward, which always strikes me as just the most absurd and disingenuous <laughs> thing to say in any interview, you yeah, know, where you go, yeah. well, my version of a Martian or my version of a guy who can control weather with his mind is much more realistic than your version. <laughs> it's the most absurd because this is not life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, I mean, I think yeah, I, I question whether or not people really change that much anyway. I mean, I'm pretty much oh, the God. same yeah, as I was yeah. when I was eight years old. I, I mean, there there have been there have been things that have happened to me, but uh, you know, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, so you go back and forth between television, and, writing for TV, mm-hmm. and uh, and writing novels, mm-hmm. and. Um, so I, you know, I'm just curious about, you know, how how the process is different for all there, and 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 did you branch into one because you found the other wasn't meeting a particular need of yours, or, or well, it wasn't. Uh, I, well, I mean, I, I got into television at first uh, because you know I I wanted to be a writer, and yeah. I wanted to make a living as a writer, and yeah. that was what presented itself to me. Um, so. I went with that. How many people and, can say that? Not, <laughs> well, I was lucky. That's not I was lucky. You hear every day. I was lucky. I was lucky. Um, <laughs> but the, you know, the, you know, and and I and I, you know, I've written for you know really good shows and had a really good time. Um, but at the same time, you do have a certain desire to do your own thing that's sure. sort of separate from the show, and that was really what made me want to to write novels, not for the money, <laughs> right. because there isn't a lot of money in it. But because uh, you know, I just wanted to do something that you know that was mine from the beginning to the end, and uh, yeah, it's your IP. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I still, I still write for television. I still love it. I love being in the room with other writers, and I love ideas bouncing off ideas and all that. Uh, but at the same time, I like to have that time when I'm just by myself and I'm just writing. When you write for a television series. Uh, this is something that so I've never done that so, uh-huh. so this is something that's sort of exotic to me. When you write for a television series, let's say that you're the named writer of a particular episode. Right. You know, this is this is the episode where our main character um, thinks for a moment that he's going to burn down his own house accidentally. Right. And, right. And he spends the episode racing home, just making mm-hmm. it so. That's your episode, all right? right. But in fact, isn't it the case that actually most of the writers on the staff will at some point or another touch the script and massage it. Well, it it, it certainly, yes, absolutely. And and it depends upon whether or not you're talking about a, you know, a comedy series or a drama series. Still, certainly in a comedy series. In a comedy right. series, yeah, you know, you 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 break the story as as we call it, you know, you come up with the story all in a room together. Right. Um, you know, you outline it and figure out what it is. Then and often you don't even know that you're going to do that story until it's it's broken, and then they, the showrunner or whoever or you know decides you you're going to do that story, and so you go off and write the outline, you go off and write the draft, go on, maybe you go off and write a second draft if there's time, and uh, then it comes back in, and then from that it it's a, it, you know it's anybody's you know every, everybody gets to contribute to it uh, before it goes to the table. And in rehearsal, of course, there's a lot of work done on it. Yeah. Uh, so that you know, so that on on Cheers, you know, by the time 
uh, you know, when, when I watch a rerun of Cheers, I have no idea whether I wrote that episode. You know, I have no earthly notion. I can't remember it. I, I remember the episode. I remember the jokes. Oh, I did that. I wrote that joke. And then at the end, or maybe at the beginning, I don't know, my name comes up, and I think, oh God, I wrote that episode. Or my name comes up by somebody else's name. Oh, I didn't write that episode. It's all, you know, it's kind of done as a group. Uh, you certainly get you get a, get the get to do the out, get to do the the draft by yourself. And if the draft is, you know, a great draft, it might, you know, survive pretty much intact. But um, yeah. but it very seldom does. And even in a in a drama, at least the dramas that I've worked on, you tend to break the story in the room. Yeah. And and then then you write it, and then and then that that's more that's more yours, unless of course the showrunner uh, decides he wants to take a hand on it, in which of course, um, in most shows the showrunner takes a, you know takes a draft or you know does a does a pass on it as they call it. Um, more more or less strong according to his personality. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, some strong some showrunners have a very strong voice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or you know or or whether or not he has. Other things to do that week, you know. <laughs> um, so, so when you're when you think about you know having spent uh, a long time working in in TV, right? You know, and uh, so that means that you carry around in your head these notions of how to open a scene, how to close a scene, uh, proportionally to where we are in the length of the work, right? How far we should be from moving the plot along, right? So you have this this model in your head of how a story should progress. So does that affect your novel writing? In other words, when you go to sit like sure, a mystery? Sure, sure. Yeah. You, you mean you, it, it's, it's ingrained in your head how, how, to, how to write a scene, how to, how to write, you know, pace a story, how to keep it, you know, moving, how to, when to slow it down, when to speed it up, all that stuff. All those rules totally apply to any kind of writing. So, uh, so it's yeah that 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 is a um, that that is the same regardless of whether you're writing a novel or a screenplay or a television pilot or a television episode. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious. Do you do you like uh, does this all work subconsciously and you don't bother? Or uh, like I know I interviewed Jennifer Ziegler, she's a children's author. She actually outlines her books in Excel. I mean, she's just like you know, so that so a certain number of you know it goes down a column and and. You can see acts one, two, and three, and, and you know, do you do you outline or do you? Outline? <laughs> uh, you know, it depends. I, I I do generally outline because in in TV, you know, you 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 get used to the idea that you have to do an outline, and then that you know because everybody has to approve it and all that. So sure. so in general, I've learned, and I'm used to doing an outline. Um, yeah. I don't do an outline as much. Nearly as as much um, uh, completely as when I'm writing a book for myself, um, because I don't have to have anybody approve it. Um, so uh, I can, you know, I can wing it. And sometimes I regret that. <laughs> sometimes I think oh, it'd be good to have a really detailed outline that I could look at. But um, uh, yeah. sometimes it's also kind of freeing. Um, because you know the danger, of course, is that that you know when you when you have when you outline everything exactly, you know and you know where it's going, you tend to to telegraph points 
the yes. plot points that are right. going to come up, or you tend to, um, uh, you know, get, get just kind of bored with something because you already figured it out, you know. Yeah. So, um, so and, and there are those places. I find other people complain about this less than I do because I like something masterful sometimes. But sometimes you can see a plot go ka-chunk as, as though suddenly people are like, ah, oh, you know what, it's time to be done with all of this this whole middle section and, and start moving into act three. So like all of a sudden plot just appears in a sport coat and says, I'm plot. We're getting back towards act three. Come on. And, and that, well, and you, I, you, 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 you've, you've, uh, you've spotted the, the, uh, one of the main tricks. <laughs> yeah. Of, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. What the, yes. I, I, I sometimes wish that I, I didn't know, know so much cause I could enjoy it more when I, when I watch those or, or read shows. Uh, now you've raised an interesting point because some people, you're right. Some people may not be able yeah. to see those turns. Um, yeah, you read enough enough outlines and, you, and they come together. But um, so uh, when when you're writing, you know, I'm, I always ask everybody about their about their process. You're working on a number of of books right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are writing, do you write at home? Do you go out to Starbucks? What do you do? Uh, I do both. Mostly, generally, I write at home. Uh, sometimes I go, I go to a coffee house and and write. Um, if I'm writing with somebody else, then I'll either go to an office or, you know, they'll go to my house or I'll go to their house. Um, I like, I, you know, I've gotten used to um, writing with a lot of activity around me uh, so that when I'm, you know, when I'm alone in a room and there's no nothing going on and no music and nothing, I'm just sort of, I, I don't know, I it, 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 you find it difficult to focus. Yeah, I find it difficult to focus. Yeah, whereas when there's a lot of activity going around and the dog is jumping over me and the or I'm yeah. at a, a coffee house and people are talking and all that somehow somehow that I can I can build a bubble around myself and distract myself and uh, yeah. and and that for some reason that works better. I've no. certainly found that yeah. to be in busy coffee houses, busy bars, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes less so at home. You know, I, I, it can be difficult for me to uh, to concentrate at home. But but different people have different stories on this. You know, the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So you know, uh, I, 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 nowadays actually it's great because I can have baseball on while while I'm writing, which is uh, it's nothing like baseball on the radio though. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, I. I wanted to okay. Here's a random thing I wanted to ask you about. You are at this point seated in the house that was in one of the movies we did on the podcast. Um, so yes, <laughs> yes. Tell me again, what is that? I've lived in this house for like you know 25 years or longer. Um, but when I first moved here, I hadn't been lived here very long, and and and, and the Stepford Children was on, <laughs> and I was watching it, and they were driving through their Barbara, community you... of Stepford and they drove up to our house and <laughs> were going into our house. And then oh that, to, to make it weirder, they didn't just use the exterior of the house. They used the living room. They used the bedrooms. They used the whole interior of our house. So while I was watching this movie, they were walking through the living room. While I was in the living room, they were in the living room. It was the, one of the weirdest things. <laughs> Things that, is that I've ever experienced, uh, and you know, actually, I watched it again recently, and because uh, I showed it to some people just to freak them out. Sure. And uh, you know, they're in the dining room, the living room, they're in the bedroom. They're, uh, it's 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 wild. It's, it's wild. a it's a wonder. So we did Stepford Children as part I, of our I, Yes, I know, I know. 
The, uh, it was so cool to hear. Actually, it was cool to look at that film and see, you know, just a, kind of a beautiful look at, at, you know, suburban L.A. in the in the 80s, you know. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they must have filmed it just a couple of years before we moved in. Um, uh, and 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 the, the other houses are also down, are houses down the street from us. So I mean everything was uh, everything but the lake area. I don't know where they that filmed that because there ain't no lake here. But um, uh, yeah, uh, you know that's funny you should yeah. mention that. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a very big. It seems like a reservoir, but I, but where it is, you know, God only knows. Yeah, I mean, uh, would help uh, us out there. Um, so I've, I've seen a lot of your social media postings. <laughs> One thing that I find is you have this big interest in. And and this is where we have a lot in common because I do the same thing. You'll post all of this sort of random <laughs> pop culture stuff that you're just sort of into that day, you know, like be it maybe some amazing film noir from the 40s or maybe a really interesting like family drama from the late 70s or a thriller from the 80s or whatever. And you're just constantly sort of churning through the 20th century. <laughs> and I'm curious – you know, I know for a fact that if I went out and grabbed a, a development exec, random development executive from a major studio, and and said, you know what I was watching the other day, a summer place, they would just stare at you. <laughs> well, I have, so, I have, I have, I have many, many uh, odd and and uh, specific interests, uh, and I, you know, I get together every uh, every week with a friend of mine, Mark Jordan Legan, who does the NPR movie stuff on. KP, He's also a writer, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and we watch all kinds of things. But lately we've been very, and for the past couple of years, we've been very into the television movie of the, the ABC television movies of the 70s or, or any any television movies of the 70s. And, you know, it's just an unexplored um, great, in, you know, they're, they're, some of them are so good. You know, obviously the Night Stalker and Duel, but you know, we watched uh, Kill Me If You Can last uh, week with um, with uh, Alan Alda and Glass House with Alan Alda, and and they're they're just they're just a stunning. It was it was a it was a great time. It was one of those times when they you know they they let people do whatever they kind of wanted to do and you know a lot of them are crap but a lot of them are really good and they're really forgotten they're really forgotten well, they're not, the they're not out on video you have, generally have to get a bootleg copy of it right. to watch it um uh, you know dying room only you know all the you know richard matheson uh ones with Absolutely. that he did but yeah. but also um uh oh, but you're, you're just I mean, i'm i'm you know they're just Hundreds of them, you know. There was, well, there was one. With, what I was wondering uh, was, yeah. you know, you're you're getting into this this. So, uh, I think you almost started to say that there was there was an element of inspiration here, and surely that's the case, right? I mean, you're watching something nobody else is watching. Maybe it gives you an idea nobody else gets. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I I really like you know every we always have. We all have have periods that we really like. I really like the seventies, and I worked on Terriers, and that show was certainly, you know, very much of of a, of a kind of a seventies cutter and bone, you know, Cutter's Way kind of series that you know was sort of steeped in that kind of you know late seventies. Um, That's cool. Yeah, 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 and uh, and um, 
And also, you know, older stuff, stuff from the 30s I love too. But um, but I I think, you know, it, it, I, the reason I like low-budget movies is that they kind of, they aren't really as, as, as thought out and poured over intention is important. They don't have a million executives giving notes right. about this, that, and the other, and everything is an all sort of group so thing. you can get something really daring. Right? Yeah, you know, yeah, because, you can get something really it's gotta, daring. it's going to come and go. Nobody's going to see it again, so... Right, right, right. right. And, and sometimes that means it's, it's, it's lousy, but if it's lousy, it's usually lousy in an interesting way. And yeah. sometimes, I mean, it's, it's, it's very good. Um, I, I caught one the uh, other day with, um, with uh, Andy Griffith, where Andy Griffith played a, a like, police chief in, in, like, I remember he was in a canyon, basically. He's, uh-huh. like, in a California town investigating murders. This is, like, a 1978 there, or so. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, you, you mentioned that. There, 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 I, I, I wish I'd, I'd done more research before answering this question. But, but there, there are three movies. There are at least three movies that are written by the same writer. Yeah. That kind of address the same setting, and they're about a sheriff in a small town. And in one of them, he's played by Andy Griffith, and another one, he's played by um, Jim Garner. Seriously? And the, uh, yeah, and another one, I believe, he's played by Alan Alda, I think. There's huh. They Only Kill Their Masters, and I can't remember the names of the other ones, but there, it was like this guy. I can't remember the name of the writer either, I'm sorry. This is like this guy was sort of trying to get this thing going. Yeah, <laughs> he was doing you know a series of pilots in a way, although they were TV movies. Yes, um, that's to, really to get and you know, I, I wish you'd done it because they're really good. Yeah. Well, it's a yeah. wonderful setting. I mean, the the you know the the yeah. small town in in you know in this again in this sort of sort of California canyon look a lot of scrub, yeah, you know. yeah it's a it's a great looking it's a great place to have what amounts to in the heat of the night only in a bit in a different sort of yeah yeah sort of setting. yeah yeah so, and the, yeah. you know there there's a god there was some movie with david jansen i can't remember the name of it i'm sorry um that it was a you know about a kidnapping where a girl was buried alive and they were rushing to find her and all that sort of thing you know it's just a, a really good movie. i think it was a true story it was a really good movie and no, those can be, those tight little little ninety minute thrillers can be can be really fantastic. There's one called The Old Man Who Cried Wolf with Edward G. Robinson that is you know just so bleak. <laughs> you know the end of it is so awful that you just think, what the hell? How did this ever get out of this ever get made? Everything you know, is awful in this movie from the beginning, and it only gets worse and worse and worse. If I if I if I wasn't careful, I could actually just spend like the next half hour going, "Hey, have you seen that one where David Jansen did this?" And, and that that actually probably well, wouldn't serve us. Well. But um, I, okay, so the next book coming out is a sequel to Crush, and also you have another another uh, Ivanovich book. Yeah, well, that's actually the, the one with Ivanovich comes out in in June, uh, I think, or August. I don't, August, August, I think now. Um, uh, it's called Curious Minds, and the uh, sequel to Crush comes out in, I think, November. Excellent. And I have, really should be writing it now. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the the um, the latest one, people can still get Crush on in paperback and and. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's available. And everything else, as well as as Fifty Minutes to Live, which Amazon mm-hmm. just had great success with, like like last week. 
Um, so <laughs> yeah, I know. It had some world. weird bump where it where it did. Yeah, well, they promoted it or, and, yeah. and it jumped up to like number one in hard hard boiled detective. Yeah, so that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. All right. That, well, Steve Sutton, yeah. I, I'm super. I, I'm very thankful that that you would spend time with us and and chat about your work and. Um, well, I'd I, love to do it maybe again. Maybe we'll get a chance to do it again when the new one's coming out. And sure, that'd be great. We'll, I'll, I'll dig out more uh, more obscure uh, inspirations <laughs> for us um, All right. Have a fantastic evening in the home of the Stepper children, and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.